unto us a Savior is come. Merry Christmas, everybody. Man, I'm so glad to see you. Let me just do a quick plug for Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve are some of my favorite services that we do all year. We're going to have two services on Thursday, one at 5 p.m. and one at 11.30 p.m. I'll just tell you, it'll be our little secret right here. 11.30 is my favorite. There's just something about it, even though the services are identical, there's something about that 11.30 service when you come and it's over and all of a sudden it is now Christmas Day. It just rings in Christmas for me. It really helps me. Uh, it just helps me enjoy Christmas. So it's so great to see all of you here this morning. Glad that you're here. Turn to somebody, give them a high five, and just tell them it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> Say a special hello to everybody who is watching online. Are we online or not? We're not online. So our online people are out right now. But anyway, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, there is a connection card. They mentioned that. If you have any way that you want to contact us, that's a great way to do that. We are in part three of our series called The Gifts of Christmas. And I just want to say as we get started, uh, we, from Vicki and I and all of our staff here at Coast, we want to wish you a very, very merry and Christ-filled Christmas. We want to thank you for joining us today and to worship our Savior. And I just need to tell you that today is going to be a little bit of an unusual kind of Christmas message. Is that okay? Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, not so sure. Yeah, okay, good. Now, this may be a little bit of an unusual Christmas message. And the reason is because we serve a God who chose to show his, who chose to show his love to us in a very unusual way in a way that nobody really quite expected. And if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been looking at the three different gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. Now, you may not know the story, but when Jesus was born, there were these wise men. Some people call them magi. We don't know a lot about them, but we do know that they were very wealthy, they were educated Gentiles, and they had traveled a long way to come and worship Jesus. I mean, they had traveled a long way. They had been looking for him for a long time. Now, you might think that there were three of them because your grandma's nativity set had three wise men in it. We don't know how many wise men there really were. It could have been dozens. may have only been three. We really just don't know. But we do know this, again, that they traveled a long way to worship Jesus, and they gave him some very unusual gifts. We've been looking at those gifts in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. I want to show you our text. It says this about the wise men. It says, When the wise men saw the star... They were filled with what? With joy. Man, I love that because Christmas is a time of joy. The Bible says that that when the shepherds first saw uh, the angels, they said, we bring you tidings of joy. There's joy that's happening. Christmas is a season of joy. Christmas is a season of peace and love and hope. Man, that's that's what we're excited about. But what I love about this is that joy is something that comes to us for the entire year. It's not just something that happens at Christmas. It's something that we're able to walk in because a child was born and a Savior was given. You understand, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on your circumstances. As long as everything's going okay, you know, as long as everything's going my way, as long as we're chugging along and things look good... I'm a happy camper. But if things get messed up, 
I could lose my happiness. But you see, joy isn't dependent on our circumstances. Joy is dependent on the one who brings our joy. That we find our joy in him. We find our hope in him. We find our peace in him. And he never leaves us or forsakes us. So Christmas is a time of joy, but it's a time of joy all year long because of Christmas. Amen? So when the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. They'd been studying the stars. They knew that a Savior was coming. So they they left on a journey. And then when they got there, it says they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary. And what did they do? Let's just say this together. What did the wise men do? The wise men bowed down and what? They worshipped him. These magi, these wise men, they bowed down before Jesus and they worshipped him. And scripture says they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts, some unusual gifts. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, when you hear those gifts, you probably think, you know, I don't know what I would do with some of those gifts. Those are unusual gifts. I mean... Frankincense? What, what do you do with it? I don't know what I'd do with frankincense. I don't know what I would do with myrrh. Know what I would do with gold, right? You know, that's probably the one we all go, yeah, let's you can give me the gold for Christmas. <laughs> so gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at both the personal application and the spiritual significance of these gifts. In week one, we talked about the frankincense. We talked about it representing Jesus as the high priest, the one who would represent the people before God as the one who would give his life, and the one who would sit at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for God's people. Jesus as our high priest. Then, last week, we looked at myrrh, and that represents Jesus as the suffering servant, or the Lamb of God. Now, today, I want to look at the gift of gold. You know, throughout history, because of the scarcity and the value of gold, this has been known as a gift fit for a king. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you today about the kingship of Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus as king. And before we do that, I want to ask, is anybody in the mood to play a little game this morning just as we get started? Just a little Christmas game? Come on, I don't need you to help me. You're going to have to participate, right? If you don't participate, you can't come back next week, all right? So we're going to have a little fun in church, all right? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you some different images on the screen, and we're going to play a game called Name That King, all right? So you got to figure out who the king is, all right? Again, this is no fun without you. You get to jump in and help me. So the very first one, if you're thinking of Simba, who do you think of? You think of the Lion King. Excellent. Very, very good. Let's do another one. If you think about a big gorilla and the, the Empire State Building, what do you think about? King Kong. King Kong. Very, very good. All right, uh, let's do another one. If you think of a Whopper, a burger, you're going to think of? The Burger King. And by the way, for those of you that know my, my weirdness about raccoons and flying monkeys, this guy is right there with them. He weirds me out. Now, you guys remember the commercial where he was like looking in the windows? And, oh, no, man. All right. You guys are doing great. Everybody, we're playing Name That King, right? All right, here we go. Uh, if, you, if you think of uh, scary novels, you might think of... Stephen King. Very, very good. If you think of interviews, who do you think of? Larry King. That's right. The guy with the suspenders. All right. If you're thinking, it's going to get a little bit harder, so bear with me. Here we go. If you think of basketball, you're going to think of Michael Jordan, right? No, you're going to think we're doing kings. So who's the king? LeBron King James, right? That's right. 
Again, I may not be your favorite player, but we're talking about kings, all right? Uh, this one is for the boomers in the crowd. See if you can get this. Come on, boomers. Uh, if you're talking about tennis, who are we talking about? Billy Jean King. Very, very good. Let's change genres. All right, let's talk music. If you're thinking the blues, who do you have? B.B. King. Very, very good. Good job. All right. If you're thinking of jazz, who do you have? Nat King Cole. That's about four of you got that one. That's really, really good. All right. And then finally, if we're going to talk about rap, you've got Kanye, who called Jesus King. He said Jesus is King. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Jesus as King. We're going to talk about the kingship of Jesus and as the Magi giving him this gift of gold to benefit the King. We're going to talk about a King not like any other. Jesus is not just this person who was born on the earth. He was the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. There may be other kings, other lords, but he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So I'm going to talk about Jesus as king. Now I want to show you in the New Testament what the Apostle Paul said to his protege, a young guy by the name of Timothy. You find this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15. And this is what it says. It says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. Now, when Paul said this in the original Greek language, it was completely impossible to state this more powerfully. There's no way to say it with more emphasis. Jesus is the supreme authority over all the kingdoms of the world. The entire cosmos is in the hands of Jesus. He is a king like no other king. And I told you, this might be a little bit of an unusual Christmas message because our God has an unusual and unexpected way to show his love in the world. You see, people were expecting a Messiah, a Savior, a King to be born. Think about this. If, if you were going to announce the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who is coming into the world today, how would you do it? Well, you'd probably book time at the Super Bowl, right? Maybe during the halftime show, because everybody's going to be there. People are going to be watching on media all over the world. And that would be the time to bring him out. Maybe have one of the best bands playing as he's brought up in an expensive car. He comes out, the military is all around, and you would say, there he is, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But that's not the way they did it, is it? The problem is the Jews expected their king to be born certainly in a palace surrounded by wealth and luxury and comfort. In our day and age, man, a king that would have been born would be put in maybe a designer crib with purple lining. He'd have like a Gucci onesie and, and you know, all the popular infant toys and all the best of the infant clothes. I mean, this king would be seriously fly. He would be dripping. He would, be, he would have all the sauce, right? Hey, come on, I know some teenagers. I, I, I'm just getting started. I could do this all day if you want me to, all right? No one expected this king to be born in poverty, to be born in a cave next to some farm animals. They didn't expect the Savior, the Messiah, to be born the son of a carpenter. In fact, Nathaniel in the Bible asked this question about Jesus and said, can anything good at all come out of Nazareth? 
No one predicted that the King of glory, the Son of God, would befriend prostitutes, touch lepers, and that he would love those that the religious leaders of that time were rejecting. They never imagined a king who would choose uneducated fishermen, despised tax collectors, and rebelled troublemakers to be his own disciples. No one ever imagined a king that would forgive a woman caught in the very act of adultery. The loss that she'd be stoned, right? And yet they, they confronted over and over again. Jesus confronted the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He even overturned tables one time when, when the temple was being misused for the wrong part to, be, to, to bring profit to people. They never imagined that the king of Jews would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey of all creatures. And those who would be cheering for his arrival would be the outcast, the overlooked, and the immoral ones. I want you to think about that for a second. When I was in uh, Israel back in January, wow, got a little mic issue. We've been having technical problems all day today. When I was in Israel back in January, we walked down uh, the Palm Sunday Road, coming down from the Mount of Olives all the way into Jerusalem. And I thought about this. I thought about the streets lined with people. And you know who it was lined with? It was, it was lined with outcasts. It was lined with, with people who were overlooked, that the religious people wouldn't have anything to do with them. It was, re, it, was, it was lined with people who had given up because they felt like they had no choice. No one imagined a king that would stand trial for a, a crime that he did not commit. No one imagined that an innocent king would be beaten and whipped and scourged and stripped naked and made to hang on an instrument of torture known as the cross dying a death that only a, a criminal deserved to die. No one ever imagined that this, that this king, this creator in the flesh, dying on a cross as his creation watches and mocks him and spits on him. And this king, while he was suffering, would look up into heaven with a heart of forgiveness and say, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. No one would have imagined that. When they offered him a drink to dull the pain, he rejected it, facing the full agony of sin in the world. And he declared, it is finished. Father, what you sent me to do, I have accomplished. I commit my spirit. No one ever expected him to die a shameful death in front of people mocking him. And when he breathed his last breath, no one imagined that the sky would go dark and the earth would shake and people would lose hope as their dead king was buried in a borrowed grave. No one expected that three days later there would be some women who would go to see him at the tomb and that the stone would be rolled away and the body would be gone. The king had risen from the dead and was now sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. See, I want to tell you, man, we're talking about a king who is unlike any other king. So it's an unusual Christmas message because it was an unusual way for God to show his love to a broken and a sinful world. What's interesting to me is that when you look at this in the very first century, you see very, three very distinct responses to Jesus as king. And oddly enough, if you come all the way to 2,000 years later to our day and time, you see the same thing. You see these same three very distinct responses to Jesus as king. And I in fact, if you have the courage to be honest and maybe self-aware, you might even find yourself having some of those same feelings, those very distinct responses to Jesus as king. 
The first response we see, if you've got your notes, is represented by King Herod. If you know his story, King Herod opposed Jesus as king. He became frightened by the talk of a new king. He became insecure. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to guard and protect his kingship. So he offered a decree, and he issued a decree that all the boys under the age of two in Bethlehem would be put to death. Wow, I'm going to take a second and just stop and pray. We had, listen, we've had online issues. We've had uh, media issues. I mean, just all morning long. It's one of those, obviously, man, Jesus doesn't want this out. And then my dad calls me right in the middle of a message, and I don't have it muted. Man, imagine that. Let's just stop and pray for a second. Father God, this is the most important message that we could talk about. Jesus is King. And Father, from the bottom of our hearts, Lord, we just look at you and we say, Lord, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We worship you this morning and we praise you. We give you glory and honor and praise. And Father, we're not going to let technical difficulties or problems uh, shake us up. Father, we're going to trust that you're here in this moment doing what you desire to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. All right, it's us. The online audience isn't there. It's us. Let's really dig into this. All right, you ready? All right, so King Herod opposed Jesus as king, and he issues this decree, and he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep this king from coming in and taking over, so we're going to kill all of the children under the age of two all the way through the thing. I mean, we're not going to let anybody possibly come who might threaten my kingdom. Now, of course, we see something like that. We go, yeah, but how does that apply to us? Well, maybe there might be some of you that are here today and you go, you know what? I don't need religion. I don't need that God stuff. I don't need, you know, anybody to tell me what to do. I'm fine on my own. I'm fine. I've got this. And what you may not realize is what you're actually doing is you're opposing him. You're opposing Jesus as king. I'm going to do life my way. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm not going to let some outdated book. I'm not going to let some religious principle. I'm not going to let some stupid church tell me what to do. I got this. I'm opposing Jesus as king. And I just want to tell you this morning, out of a heart of love, it's a very scary place to be. It's It's a very scary and disastrous way to live your life. Going through life opposing Jesus as the king. There was a second group, and I think this is profoundly common today, and this was the Jewish priest. And they didn't just oppose Jesus, they dismissed him as the king. They dismissed him, and they just kind of blew him off, which is so bizarre, because these same Jewish priests that were there in this time, they would actually quote a scripture from from one of the minor prophets, a prophet by the name of Micah. And in Micah 5.2, they would quote the Old Testament verse that talked about a ruler, prophesied a ruler, who would come and be born in Bethlehem. And yet these priests were only five miles away, and they just dismissed it all. They wouldn't even take the time to come and see this king. Same thing kind of happens today, all the time. Hey, you want to go to church with me? You want to come? We're going to experience the presence of God. 
We're going to meet there, and God is going to show up in this place. He's going to touch lives. And, and man, I just want you to come and go with me. And oh, That's all right. I'm good. I, I don't have time for that right now. Well, listen, we've got a Bible study that's going on this week. And, man, we get together and we open up this book, the, this book of Bible. It's like this love letter from God that offers us freedom and hope and life change and this opportunity for our lives to be different. And, man, we just have a great time getting together. Would you like to come? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I got it. What is he doing? We're dismissing him. We're dismissing him. Hey, listen, would you like to be a part of, of this mission? You know, we're going out and sharing the love of God with this world around us, the spirit of generosity and grace. And he goes, no, that's all right. I, I, I've got stuff going on. I got to go to my grandmother's house. You know, we're going to open gifts. And, you know, she's got like a popcorn tin. And, you know, I'm going to get a popcorn tin selfie. You know, all of that sort of stuff. We're going to do that sort of thing, you know. Uh, and so the Jews, the Jewish priests, they did what was so common today. They dismissed Jesus as king. We're too busy. We've got too much going on. It all sounds nice, but we've got other things to do. And then finally, the third thing was there were the wise men. And the wise men, they bowed down and they worshiped Jesus as king. And the ultimate response the ultimate response to show reverence and awe and honor to the God of heaven who left heaven to become one of us in the person of Jesus. And the wise men recognized who he was. They recognized Jesus. They understood his kingship. And so when they came, they worshiped him. They humbled themselves. They bowed down. They made themselves lower. And they worshiped him. With everything inside of them, they bowed down. Bowing down is the most surrendered position, the most surrendered posture to show your reverence. Jesus, you're my king. You're the king of the universe. They bow down and they worship him. And I'm going to ask you a question today. Here's the question is, what is your response? When you think of your response to Jesus, like for real, what is your response? Right? Are, are you one of them that says, Jesus, you're my king? Are you opposing him? Some of you, maybe that's what you're doing. You, you may not call it that, but that's exactly what happens. You're, you're opposing him. You're, you're living the way you kind of want to live. That's you know, what you're doing. Maybe you're like a lot of people. You just dismiss him and you say, yeah, that's a good story. You know, I'll think about it. You know, I did that church thing when I was a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's good for people that need that, but it's not for me. And you just dismiss him. Or the third response is Jesus, the king of your heart. You see, with everything inside of me, I really, 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 honestly, I just want you to know him. That's what I want this morning, is I want you to know him. See, I was the kid. I grew up in church. I grew up. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship. I knew the stories. I knew the church routines. I knew how the service went. I knew that every Sunday that we went to church, that we would, uh, right at 12 o'clock, the pastor, we would be singing just as I am as the pastor walked down the aisle and meet everybody as they walked out the door and shake their hands. It was like clockwork. I knew the routines. I knew the way it worked. We went to First Baptist Church, which at that time was the biggest church in our little small town. And everybody knew the pastor. He'd been there forever and ever and ever. Matter of fact, he married Vicki and I when we got married all those years ago. And, and, and I liked the pastor. He could be a little ornery sometimes, right, you know? He'd get in your business every now and then and that sort of thing. Matter of fact, I remember one Christmas service. He said at the beginning of the service, he said, Merry Christmas, 
and happy Easter, <laughs> right? And he said that because he said, I know I won't see most of you again until Easter, right? And I thought that was kind of funny, like, you know, that's a good one, right? You know? And then he said, a lot of you, you're like CEO Christians. And I thought, what in the world is that? He said, Christmas and Easter only, right? And you know, then I was thinking, you know, that kind of hurts a little bit. That one stings just a little bit. But I remember thinking, that's kind of true. Because that's kind of where we were. That's kind of where my family was, kind of where I was. I knew who Jesus was. I knew the story. I could pick out his picture on a flannel board, but I didn't know him. The Greek word for know, when the Bible talks about knowing God and knowing Jesus, is the word gnosko, and it means to know intimately, not just to know about. See, we live in a culture where we've heard about Jesus, we've heard about God, but do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? There were times in my life when I look at my life and I realize that I opposed him. I thought, you know what, I don't need religion. I don't need God. I've got this. I don't need anybody telling me what to do or how to live my life. I'm doing it my way. I figured if it was good enough for Sinatra, right, it was good enough for me. I did it my way. Or if it was good enough for Bon Jovi, it's my life. I thought, man, it's good enough for me. I'll do it my way. I'm going to have my fun. I'm going to do my thing. There were also times that I just dismissed him. You know, I thought, yeah, this stuff, man, it's probably good for somebody. It may even be good for me when I get a little bit older, but not right now. I've got too much that I want to do. See, if we were all really honest, if we were really transparent, I would tell you in my life that no matter the mask I put on, no matter the way I acted, that all throughout those lives when I was running from God, there was still this ache in my heart. There was still something inside of this, me, this belief that there had to be something more. And to be honest with you, there was also this sense of guilt and shame that was in my life that just wouldn't go away. And no matter how much I ran from it, no matter how much I tried to self-medicate, it wouldn't go away. See, I knew I'd done a lot of things wrong, so I tried to be good. But the harder I tried, the more I failed. So to me, church was like this thing that was just religion. It was rules and regulations and rituals. It was based around some historic story. But in spite of that, there was something that kept pulling me. There was something that kept drawing me back. And to be honest with you, it wasn't the story of some little baby born in a manger that grew up to be a, a, a timid, weak guy that was kind to children and petted little lambs and, and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what it was. It was the king. It was a king who stripped himself of the glory of heaven, born of a virgin, in poverty, without a home, reaching out to the lowest of the low, reaching out to the people that were despised. And in our context today, reaching out to the people who just can't seem to get it right, people who are struggling and they're financially a mess, people who struggle in every single relationship they have, and they're broken and they're hurting. They use substances to get up and they, they use substances to come down. And they're trying to find meaning in all the wrong places and all the wrong people. And they go to bed at the end of the night longing for something more. Hurting. Feeling empty. See, he came for people like that. See, that's who I was. That's who I was before Christ. And he loved me right where I was. And I couldn't believe it. On that day when I finally said yes to Jesus Christ and I fell down on my knees and I said, I don't have anything to give you, but my life is yours. I could not believe that he would accept me as I was. Couldn't believe that he would love me 
the way he loved me. And my life was instantly transformed. I thought I had nothing to offer. And yet God came in and he loved me and he forgave me. Not because I was good. I wasn't good. But because he was good. He was incredibly good. And see, I just really want you to know him. And uh, man, honestly, a lot of you, if we're going to be honest, a lot of you won't. You won't. Years ago when I was preparing to be in the ministry, I had a pastor tell me, he says, Christmas is the toughest service at all to preach. He called it a pass-through service because a lot of people were there, not because they wanted to, but because they were with family or they were in town. And they kind of go, you know, go, you know, uh, we're just going to go then. And so Christmas rolls around, and, and the church is just another thing on a long list of things that you got to do. He called it a pass-through service because you're passing through on your way to some dinner or the next party, or you're passing through on the way to the mall because, you know, it's too late to order off of Amazon. you still got a few things to do. It's a pass-through service. And he said it's hard to reach people because they're just passing through. They're just kind of doing it, and they're not taking the time. And Brett, come on up. Right. Here's what I want to do. I just want to pray that if you're here this morning and you're just passing through or you're just opposing him or dismissing him, that maybe somehow you would see the unusual love of God in a way that demands just maybe a little bit more for you. And so what I want to do is I want to pray this morning for you. And let me just tell you before we pray, I want to tell you, I just want to take a second and tell you about my king because he's not some distant, angry, uninvolved king who's up in the sky far away. And he is not, that's just not who he is. He's not the, the, the big man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is not the, the six-pound, eight-ounce little newborn baby Jesus. No, he is the king of kings. And he's the Lord of all lords. In fact, I would love it today if you would do me a favor, if you wouldn't mind, just out of reverence for the king, would you stand to your feet? Just out of reverence for the king who became one of us and gave his life. Just take a moment to prepare your hearts to worship this king, to give him honor, to give him reverence for who he is. Who is this king that gave his life for us? My king, according to scripture, is the king of glory. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of all ages. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, this king who heals the sick, who opens the blind eyes, he heals deaf ears, and he strengthens the weak. He delivers the captives. He restores those who are broken and hurting. He is the king. He's a shelter in our time of trouble. And he's light in a world that seems dark sometimes. He's the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the resurrection and the life. He is our King. Can I get an amen, somebody? He is our shelter in a time of trouble. Man, his goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. At the name of Jesus, darkness trembles and demons flee. Come on, somebody. That's who he is. This is this king that we worship today. And the devil hated Jesus, but he could not stop him. Death could not defeat him. The grave could not hold him. Jesus is the king, and I want you to know him today. Maybe at this moment, 
you're looking at your life and you're just taking a second and you're just doing a little bit of just kind of self-thought. You're thinking about yourself. And you're thinking, you know, I don't want to oppose him in my life. I don't want to live my life this way. I, I, I don't want to do that. And I don't want to dismiss him because all of a sudden you're seeing him for who he is. So right now, would you just take a moment with me and let's just honor him. Let's, let's take a moment and just offer him our praise and worship. And I want to encourage you to lift your hands with me, lift your voices, and let's just take a moment and lift up his name and offer him praise. Lift your hands with me. Let's praise him. Father, thank you so much. We praise you. Come on. Say it out loud. Praise him. Just take a moment. Break out of your comfort zone and tell him how you appreciate him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we bless you. We appreciate you. We thank you. Father, we bless you. Our Father, we worship you as the true king, the supreme ruler of the universe. Not just as a king who reigns, but a king who is full of love and grace. Father, not just one who came to rule, but one who came to die so that we could live and be in a relationship. And Lord, we worship you and praise you today. And as you pray this morning, nobody looking around, those of you that are Christians this morning, maybe you just recognize that life just kind of happens sometimes. And we all just get a little bit distracted. I know, man, it happens to me. I know it happens to you. And so we just want to be a little bit more Christ-centered. We want to be a little bit more Christ-centered today and Christmas and every day. And so if that's you and you say, Robert, that's me, man, I want to, I want to just take and let all the busyness push aside, and I want to take these next few days as we come towards Christmas, and I want to be Christ-centered. I want to be thinking about him. If that's you, could I just see your hands right now, just right wherever you are, just raise them up. Man, that's me right now. Awesome. Lord, I thank you for the people that say, yes, we want to live our lives to be all about you. You are our King, Jesus, and we worship you. And I pray this morning that we wouldn't just pass through, that we wouldn't take you for granted, but that our hearts would be focused on you, worshiping you, showing you honor, showing your love to everybody that we interact with. God, may we reflect your glory, your grace, your goodness and your unconditional love. Just stay in the mood of prayer for just another moment. There may be some of you today you're going to recognize that maybe in your life you just kind of dismissed Jesus. Maybe early on in life you kind of believed Him, you thought about Him, and your, your life was, was interacting with Him. But then you just kind of got busy, got grown-up problems, and you kind of just put Him aside. Others of you, maybe you just said in your heart, I don't need him. I don't need that church stuff. But maybe there's something in your heart that's drawing you in this moment. And let me just tell you what that is. That's the love of God through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart right now. And it's very, very real. It's his grace. It's his goodness. And some of you, you're not going to pass through because you just can't. You need him. You need his forgiveness. You want his presence. And let me just promise you, he's here. And what you're sensing is his goodness and his love. We call it the gospel. That means the good news. What is the good news? Well, as simple as I can explain it, it's this. That God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, born of a virgin. What does that matter? 
Well, it's because he didn't inherit the sin nature from an earthly father, but instead he came bringing the divine nature of a heavenly father. He was all God and all man at the same time. He's God in the flesh. He was perfect in every way. He honored God with a sinless life. Therefore, he could be our innocent sacrifice. He shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And the good news is that when he gave us his life, he didn't stay dead. Our God raised him from the dead so that anyone, and this includes you, me, anybody, whoever calls on that name, the name that's above every name, the name of our high priest, the name of our suffering servant, the name of our king that is above every other king, his name is Jesus. When you call on his name, God hears your prayers. He forgives your sins and he makes you brand new. Get a brand new fresh start. Not a new and improved you, a brand new you. And many of you, that's the reason that you're here today. You're not just passing through. You can't deny it. You want him. You need his grace. So for those of you this morning who say, yes, I want his forgiveness. I need his mercy. I want his presence I just feel empty. I've been searching for something. And he's what you're searching for. When you call on him, he hears your prayers. And your life changes. You'll never be the same. That's why you're here this morning. So those of you that would say, Jesus, I need you. I turn from my sins. I want to turn towards you. By faith, I'm giving you my life. If that's you, if you could just raise your hand right now, I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So everyone, would you just join me right now? Just join your faith to those around you. I'm going to ask everyone in here to pray this prayer with me this morning. Today, nobody prays alone. Pray this out loud. I want you to pray and say, Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Jesus, save me. Be the Lord of my life. Be my king. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you and worship you and show you love because you've changed me. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give God a hand this morning? We want to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever God may be saying to you this morning. And here's what we're going to do. The band's going to play a worship song, and it's a great opportunity. You can just worship him. That's one thing you can do. On either side, there is a communion station. The Bible doesn't say how often to do it. It just says as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And communion is a great time to just remember who he is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. And just take that time to remember him and reflect on his life. There's also a place where you can bring your tithes or your offerings, or you can do that online or on our app. You can do it there as well. And then uh, finally, the last thing is if you want somebody to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you this morning. So there'll be some of us here. So as the band leads us in a final song, you can respond in any or all of those ways.
So my prayer for you this week is that in everything that you would do, no matter what happens, if you have a day-to-day like today, like we had, where it seems like things going wrong, technical difficulties, and it throws you off your game, Jesus is still king. He's still the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And if you have a day this week where it just seems like, you know, you get a flat tire or this happens or that happens, and I'm not prophesying that on you. But I'm just saying if it happens, Jesus is still king. You can still look into his face and say, God, you are in control and my life is okay because my happiness is not dependent on my circumstances because I have your joy inside of me. And I pray that this would be the most joyful week as we move towards Christmas. Really want to invite you. Remember, there's some uh, things coming up that, that, that I don't want you to forget. Christmas Eve, two services, 5 and 1130. Uh, uh, don't forget that. We'd love for you to come. Think of somebody that you can invite to join us with that. Next Sunday, we're going to do something completely different. It is going to be so much fun. I've got a favorite short film that I, it, it just really ministers to me. It speaks to me. It's about a 20-minute film. And I'm going to watch that film with you and share some thoughts after it. And uh, we're going to have popcorn, and it's going to be Short Film Sunday. And we just want you to come and be a part of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to let you know, uh, we start our time of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting is January 3rd to January 23rd. Let me just tell you, when we went into 2020, Man, we had no idea what kind of year 2020 was going to be. But you know what? We prayed and we fasted. And here we are and we're still standing. And God has done such a work. And we just believe that he's going to continue to do that. And so we're setting up this year for knowing that God's got us and that we're in his hands. So I want to encourage you to join us. There's information. If you go to our website, coastcommunity.org, there's a little tab on there that says 21 days, and there's all kinds of information about fasting and how to do that and prayer. There's a prayer guide that you can use for that entire time that's put out by ARC. And, uh, man, we just love for you to join us in that. January 9th, uh, Ron and Anna are going to be uh, taking a team to minister to the homeless in Pensacola, and uh, that'll be here at the church, meet here at 9 uh, a.m. on January 9th, and uh, we're excited about that. And then finally, man, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you as you go today. If you would, just raise your hands away of saying, God, I receive what you have for me. Lord, I thank you so much. I pray, Father, that your hand would be upon everybody here, that you would bless them today in all that they do, that your anointing would be upon their life. Give them favor in the eyes of people that they come in contact with. Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities that they could tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.